there's a lot of similarities to the Ontario marketplace in terms of ease and from a regulatory point of view and fees and revenue share. Alberta has a much higher per capita gaming spend because people in Alberta have a higher disposable income because of low taxes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gaming News Canada show. Thank you very much for joining us today. It is a mild Thursday on this February the 8th, 2024, and I'm your host, Steve McAllister. As usual, there's a lot of real estate to cover in the world of sports betting, sports media, and sports betting this week. And you may have heard there's also a fairly significant football game happening in Las Vegas on, on Sunday night. So let's start there by welcoming back to the program the Director of Content Activations and Brand for FanDuel, Alana Delavadova. Alana, thanks so much for being with us on what we were talking off uh, before the show started. Is what I'm sure one of the busiest weeks of the year for, for you and the FanDuel staff. Oh, thanks for having me. It's it's great to be back. And yeah, it's it's busy. It's hectic. And like you said, it's it's fun, though. It's a nice, fun little chaos that we're drumming up here. And the team's super excited for Sunday. Yeah. And as you said, too, Alana, it's kind of a, it's a it's a crazy quarter to, to kick off 2024. I mean, NHL All-Star Weekend in Toronto last weekend. So I'm, I'm sure you and your group were, were really busy with that. But like we were saying, it's it's mm-hmm. kind of it's a fun time to be uh, to to be busy and go a little bit crazy. I mean, there there's that um, adrenaline rush that you don't see in other parts of the year. Totally, we've we've been riding the wave since last weekend, and the NHL did such an amazing job, and our team was totally immersed. Both, you know, they were on the ground, they were hands on keyboards, just providing such a really great engaging experience for our customers. So, in March, we'll sleep. That, that's when we'll get the break. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, Lan, I want to cover a couple of things with, with uh, you know, really focusing on FanDuel's partnership with TSN and, and Bell mm-hmm. Media. And uh, in case folks don't know, Bell Media is, is the, has the rights for the uh, Super Bowl game between the, the Niners and Chiefs on, on Sunday evening at Allegiant Stadium. Um, games being shown on CTV, TSN, and, and RDS for, for television viewers. Uh, FanDuel and Expedia are both back as, as sponsors of the of the broadcast. And maybe we can start at Atlanta just kind of walking what that presenting sponsorship means. I, I assume that FanDuel will have a role to play in the pregame show. We know that Rob Gronkowski is coming back with the, the kick of destiny too during during the pregame as well. But maybe just walk our audience through FanDuel's plans for the uh, the day. We're really excited for Sunday. We have such an amazing group over at TSN bringing this to life for us. Davis, Kara, and Luke are already on the ground. So what our customers will really see is wall-to-wall coverage with FanDuel included. So not only will we help with some of the X's and O's, it, you know, the the real kind of meat and potatoes around gambling and, and odds and movement in those lines, but we're also going to inject, of course, Gronk's kick of destiny and the excitement of him coming back for his redemption kick, as well as some some of our novelty betting uh, props that we have going on right now, too. So if you've been following along the FanDuel Sunday season, uh, it'll definitely be back in full force and and just a little bit more invigorating coming live from Vegas. What has been the response? Again, if you're an NFL viewer on Sundays, you see that FanDuel has a presence with with pregame shows and segments during during NFL Sundays. I mean, has there been an appetite from viewers for that kind of production? Very much so. And I'm actually happy you asked. We recently did a little bit of data diving into that just to make sure that the way we're coming across is organic. It fits with the programming. It's done in a way that also enforces responsible gaming and that we're in a safe and regulated market. So a lot of the feedback that we have gotten is that the coverage is 
truly additive to, to the sports experience that we're providing some fans with really good information that even if you don't take that and go bet with it, you're just, you know, chatting amongst your friends. You have some fun facts as a, as a football fan or basketball fan outside of what's going on this weekend. So it has definitely, uh, been uh i wouldn't say surprising but it's definitely been a really nice response that uh, what the tsn team has been able to build with us has been well received by the industry and by the audience yeah and the one thing i'll mention too uh alana you, can, you can't escape the fact that people have been wagering on the super bowl forever and yeah, ever exactly. and ever yeah and uh we had phil uh phil gray and chris abbott on the show last week kind of talking about the evolution of betting and we, we know uh about the growing population sorry the growing popularity of novelty bets and and parlays and you know the american gaming association came out this week and announced that 68 million americans are going to wager about 23 billion dollars on the uh on the game sunday and and we also also expect given the rising numbers we've seen with uh, with the regulated industry in Ontario and with the provincial lottery gaming corporations across the rest of uh, Canada, that the Super Bowl is is a game where that uh, you know even if you're not a diehard NFL fan, it, people people enjoy putting a wager on the game whether it's you know what Patrick Mahomes how many touchdowns he's going to mm -hmm. throw or or what color a Gatorade is going to be thrown over the heads of Andy Reid or, or Kyle Shanahan late Sunday evening. Yeah, I mean, I think you also have to thank the NFL. They've made such a big production out of the Super Bowl, I think more so than than any other sport in its you know final game. So as you mentioned, there's something for everyone at the Super Bowl and not even just to bet on, but just to engage with. There's culture, there's music, um, there's all conversations riding into this with the Swifties. So it's it's really kind of a nice intersection of if you have any general interest in things outside of the sports, you outside of sports, you can kind of find it at the Super Bowl, um, which is why we've also done a lot of the novelty props and kind of jumped on the Swifty train as well to get others engaged in conversations that they're they're already having, really. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Atlanta, just in terms. I mean, there's there uh, there is a, a real true Taylor Swift effect with with the Super Bowl on Sunday. I think Taylor Swift's obviously been great for the. For the business of the NFL this season, like what what kind of uh, what kind of novelty bets is FanDuel offering around Taylor? Yeah, we have two up right now. So the biggest one that we're gaining a lot of traction on is will Travis propose to Taylor Swift after the game? <laughs> so that that's been a fun one. It's it's been picked up by a few news outlets, so it's been nice to see it uh, grow for our traders who also behind the scenes work really hard to brainstorm some of these mo more cultural led markets. Um, and I will say that a majority of Ontarians think that Travis is going to propose. So that's an exciting one. There's also, will you know, will the MVP mention Taylor in their speech and kind of the ride that uh, she's been on with the team. So there's a few there. And then we have, of course, the classic ones around coin toss and Gatorade and how long the national anthem will be. Um, so there's a few, there's a few specific ones. And I also think actually I would be remiss. I think there's one with Andy Reid as well. Uh, would he mention Taylor Swift in an interview or <laughs> on the podium after that pretty iconic uh, picture came out last week or so? I think, I think the Taylor, uh, Travis proposing to Taylor, that's the proverbial, that may be the Hail Mary of, the, of, of this year's Super Bowl in Atlanta. That's my prediction on that. That's uh, the script, right? Aren't people saying that there's the NFL script and uh, yes. things are going to predictably happen? So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens. 
Yeah, that, that almost feels like the WWE script to me. <laughs> to me. Exactly, exactly. And the, the other novelty bet I, I found was, was kind of funny, too, when I was looking at the, the FanDuel site over lunch hour was is the uh, the number of costume changes by Usher during the halftime show. That, that was kind of fun, too. Yeah, that one was fun. I think we spun that up last year for Rihanna, but uh, the number of costume changes, there's a few who will appear as a special guest. Uh, the team has a lot of fun with it. And there's so many factors that go into novelty betting with regards to predicting that, um, you know, historical occurrences of how many times in the case of changing wardrobe, how many times, you know, other artists have done it. Uh, so we both try to be fun, but also take a pragmatic approach of, is this, is this something that could actually happen? <laughs> Hey, Lana, last question before we let you go. And that Phil Gray mentioned it on the, the show last week. And that, that you know, on a serious note and from a from a industry and an operator standpoint, I mean, the Super Bowl is a tremendous opportunity to acquire new customers. And as you mentioned, uh, the Taylor Swift effect, the, you know, the halftime show. And, and your business is no different than the NFL or television networks where, you know, the halftime show was created for a reason. And, and that's to get non-football fans uh, to, to tune into the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously for fan duels, sun, Sunday is an opportunity for, for your business to, uh, to, to, to get more people engaged. No, it, it really is. And I think it's also just to get more people aware and engaged that there is a regulated market that you can bet on um, when you're betting on the Super Bowl. So even if you take novelties as an example, we implement low maximum bets for that. Um, of course, we have all our responsible gaming tools to ensure that you're setting all your limits. So well, yes, we, we do love inviting new customers to, to engage with our brand. We do want to make sure that when they're aware of all of the amazing tools that we have and the, the, you know, the differences between what a regulated market looks like and a non. Alana Della Vadova is the Director of Content Activation and Brand for, for FanDuel. Alana, as always, really appreciate you joining us on the Gaming News Canada show for, for a few minutes today. And, uh, you know, wishing you and, and the staff of FanDuel and, and enjoy the Sunday and enjoy the game. And I uh, look forward to catching up again with you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Always a pleasure. Great. Thanks, Alana. Cheers. Have a good um, one. You too. Uh, let's, uh, let's move... Uh, get away from from taylor swift and and gatorade and and, and usher and bring uh bring paul burns into the room uh paul's been at ice along with phil graham we'll get phil in here for a second as well but um paul uh, busy uh seems like another busy week at ice um judging by my uh, my linkedin feed over the last uh four days uh, a lot of people at the conference uh, a lot of people in meetings a lot of people having fun. So maybe we'll just start start there. Just general impressions on, on the conference this week in London. Uh, thanks, Steve. No, it's been a busy week. Um, and uh, this is um, ICE's last year at uh, XL here in London. I'm taking a five-year journey to Barcelona next. So there's a bit of nostalgia of people enjoying their time in London. Um, but it's still, it's uh, packed as ever. Um, having been uh, at Excel for the last three days. Um, it's um, a lot of uh, Canadians in the room uh, looking around and, and they're here. Um, but it's um, it's always, it's, you know, 30 plus thousand people. Uh, it fills Excel from tip to tail and, uh, and people from all over the world. So it's a great um, 
meeting of the gaming industry. And we had a busy week with um, starting on Monday with an event with the Ontario government and, uh, and Minister Downey, uh, Attorney General of Ontario, uh, come to ICE this year. Um, and he, uh, he spoke, uh, obviously, about um, the benefits of uh, economic benefits that have brought and come to Ontario from, from opening a regulated marketplace. And uh, we had a great evening um, at Canada House for about, about 125 people or so uh, that were here. And, uh, and also joining this week was uh, Minister Dale Malley, the Minister for Service Alberta and Red Tape Reduction. Um, who was responsible for EGLC. So he was here to learn and to meet. Um, and uh, he was uh, really engaged and, and had a, a very, very full schedule um, meeting um, with a cross-section of operators, suppliers, and regulators and others in the industry. So it, it's, uh, it was great to, uh, to have him here and engaging with the industry, learning as, as Alberta begins its journey. It was a bit of a bookend and seeing that Minister Downing here to talk about the success Ontario's had while uh, Alberta just begins their journey. And so I think it was a good, uh, a, a good you know, still proving that there's lots of interest in, in Canada for the gaming industry. So it was a great week. Yeah, Paul, we we led the newsletter this morning with uh, with Minister Nelly's appearance at the uh, at the conference and and uh, reached out to his office for for a quote yesterday, which which we received last night. A statement from the minister himself, and uh, basically, it, it's uh, it appears from his statement that it's no longer a matter of if if uh, a competitive iGaming gaming market will come to Alberta. So it's it's when is that. Is that kind of the feeling or the indication you got from your time with them? Oh yeah, and that's that's really always been the case. Um, from the statement in his mandate letter last uh, summer, um, it's now um, they um, moved through some changes to the cannabis sector in Alberta, and he's clearly now focused on on the gaming file and regulating uh, gaming. So it uh, it is a case of it's it will happen. It's it's not now. Um, now it's getting to work, and I think a better understanding of, of uh, you know, by listening to industry and listening to experience from Ontario and and uh, Minister Downey and Minister Allen being able to spend some time together as well has been very good. Hey, Paul, the, the fact that Ontario has uh, has a regulated marketplace does does that help? Alberta in terms of timing and is, is, is there enough that they can take, I guess not, maybe not just from Ontario, but with what we've seen in, in U.S. states that the timeline not, might not be quite as long for them to open open a market in the province? Well, potentially, um, because, like, you know, I think the message from operators and, and industry can, you know, this, the more you can, your regulatory standards and technical requirements can mirror Ontario the better that is for all of us um, as an industry to be able to uh, easily do business, easily um, join them, uh, a new market. And, and so I think that was one of the messages um, that I know a number of operators and others who he met with did, in fact, you know, really were suggesting that because that for them, that makes it easier to enter. And in understanding and learning from the experience of Ontario, but I think that there's, um, 
yeah, the similarities that they can, uh, especially on the regulatory side for standards for games and available product, uh, are extremely important. Hey, Paul, well, just, oh yeah, sorry, Paul. Yeah. I was going to ask too, Paul, um, you know, last year, and we, we were in London for ICE last year, and a lot of the conversations when the, when the Canadian crew was together, and that includes yourself and, and Martha Otten, the executive director of, uh, of iGaming Ontario, obviously a lot of questions and, and conversation around Ontario just almost a year into, into the regulated market at that point. Was uh, kind of the tone of, of conversations you had, were they, were they different this year? Now the fact that we're almost two years into the, to, uh, to what's going on in Ontario? A, a little bit. I mean, people are, you know, you know, sharing their experiences. Um, I, I met with three different companies who are still planning to enter the Ontario market um this week and so that there are there's still interest um there's in addition to that there was other suppliers i met with who were entering the ontario and canadian marketplace to offer their goods and services so it's been really um you know there, there is a obviously brazil has been sort of a hot topic this week around here right um, but it's uh, you know it's a it's got its challenges for operators too and so you know we're looking at um at the uh, the conversations minister Nally did obviously create some um, buzz by his remarks and we did a q a on uh, on tuesday afternoon um, because he was um, he was pretty pretty categorical about what how they wanted to be uh, where they wanted to be in this and be competitive and and make sure that they saw the economic benefits and that helped <laughs> create some more interest I want to get uh, Chris Abbott in here because Chris, I'll maybe just get you to put on your uh, your operator's hat for a second here, and just you know, how much interest do you think there is in, in Alberta for for operators, and and what what could that market look like compared with what we've seen in Ontario with you know forty five plus operators? Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, I think there's going to be a lot of interest. Uh, one of the things, especially when you talk with operators who are from outside of Canada, outside of North America, is that the player value for Canadian players is generally seen to be high. So the return on investment, even though it's generally a little higher to invest in, in North American um, jurisdictions, the player value from an operator perspective is generally high and reliable. So I think there'll be, I think there'll be plenty of interest. Will we see the same rush that we saw in Ontario? I think that remains to be seen, but I think there'll be a healthy competitive market. And I do think that the players that have gotten, a, you know, a head start um, in Ontario, but also those that are having success um, in the United States right now will also, you know, continue to lead the way in, uh, in that province. I, I think one of the things to watch for is how many tier two, tier three operators are going to dip their toe in knowing how much it's been a battle in, in Ontario and, and how that hasn't been super lucrative for, for everybody. Um, but yeah, I think there'll be significant interest. Yeah, that was actually going to be my question for for Paul, Chris. Is just uh, you know, obviously the mate we 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 do have quite a mix in Ontario with those those big uh, those big brands. But then, as you refer to those tier two and three operators, do you think Paul that you'll see a similar mix in Alberta? Well, I think I think you will, and part of it is is if there's a lot of similarities to the Ontario marketplace in terms of ease and. And, and being able to, you know, the investment's clear uh, and what needs to, you know, for, uh, from a regulatory point of view and fees and other things and revenue share, 
when you look at all those if those those simulators probably make it a lot easier um and many uh, may try i mean uh, alberta has a very is a much higher per capita gaming spin and has ministered down in Notre Dame because they people in alberta have a higher disposable income because of low taxes so he said that's one of the reasons why they do and so he um you know they want to they want to understand that that um they, if they're going to create a, a regime they want to make sure that they can it's going to be successful and people will come and enter and that's one of the things i think he was is it was clear is understanding that that's you know that's got to be part of our objective I want to get phil gray in here for a second because phil I, I think you know when we started covering this industry three years ago and, and talked about alberta and ontario and quebec and bc i think sometimes people like me have blinders on and, and we think well there's only X number of professional sport teams in Alberta. So how successful can be the, the market be if people can only bet on the Oilers, Flames, Eskimos, and, and Stampeders? And as we've come to learn, online casino is, is uh, over an overridingly huge part of the, the gaming industry. We, we know that you know people bet on the NFL regardless of whether they live in Trois Rivières, um, uh, you know, Picton, Ontario, or, or, uh, or Edmonton. And... So I, I guess the the question, Phil, is is that this is an industry that it does it's not predicated on on people being able to vote uh, make bets on Connor McDavid or or the others to beat the Golden Knights tonight. Well, no, absolutely, Stephen. You know, being at being at ICE this week, I, I've been I've been to a number of um, different different events here, and uh, you know, as Paul was saying, you know, it's a, a kilometer long and a kilometer wide. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, three quarters of that space is casino um, games and, uh, you know, um, new stuff that's coming out there, uh, as well as, uh, you know, payment solutions and regulatory and compliance. There's, there's a whole industry that's uh, burgeoning there. And for the sports book side, it, it's about sports book solutions. There, it's, it's odds fees providers. It's, so, it's not a homemade, um, uh, you know, uh, decision anymore for for an operator to come in and you know have a staff that you know is going to be setting the lines it's uh, it's global and and uh, i was uh, it, it just fascinated uh, this week by uh, it just wow the expansiveness of new companies that are coming into the global market and certainly the north american market is uh, you know well within their sights but there's there's just there's so many uh, Variances. Uh, I, I saw some some pitches this week from companies talking about blockchains, you know, and uh, you know, uh, decentralized companies and stuff like that that would not um, be regulatory compliant in North America right now. Um, it's just such uh, uh, just such an interesting time. I have a colleague um, from from OLG uh, who had a breakfast meeting this morning, actually with uh, with the uh, all the uh, provincial lotteries. Uh, what they were discussing, I'm, I'm not privy to, but I'm certain it was uh, as Paul was um, was uh, alluding to that uh, a dissertation of uh, dissertation of facts of uh, what's going on. Hey, Paul, I get to, to uh, Phil's point about uh, the growing growing industry in terms of businesses and that. I mean, are you will you be flying home with with a, a few more business cards and, and people that you uh, that you hadn't met before this week? Oh yeah, no, it's um, definitely that because it's, it's pick up on Phil's point, especially the um, business solutions on the compliance side, um, ease of uh, bringing more automation and technology 
in the lot space is, um, has been uh, is very apparent and and including in responsible gaming uh, side as well. So there's been um, there is you know and new people finding the industry still um, as it continues to grow. Um, so it's uh, and the payment side is going to you know obviously the, the fintech business is continuing to innovate and there's banking laws and stuff changing Canada will be easier for these technologies to be implemented here. So. I think it's it's yeah it's uh it's either show is always fun because you're generally going to see uh, the what's next here and what's coming. At yeah, ICE, that and, it, and that came through pretty clear this year. Yeah, that payments piece, Paul. Um, we dedicated the section of the newsletter today to uh, PaySafe's release of a report this week on on the role of payments and in, in the online gambling industry and and. Uh, PaySafe is looking at Canada, the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, and Italy. So there is a link to the uh, to the report in uh, in the newsletter, and there's some pretty interesting reading there. Um, I'd be uh, remiss, Paul, if I didn't ask you if, if uh, um, advertising came up in your conversations at all, and are, are people keeping close tabs on what's going on in Ontario and and the rule changes that the AGCO are set to implement at the end of the month. Yeah, it, I mean, advertising is a topic all over the world um, because various countries have done different things from outright bans to talking about bans to, you know, seeing a couple state legislatures in the U.S. look at putting restrictions on, right. on gambling advertising. It's um, it specific to Ontario, it didn't. I think operators are understanding what's coming and waiting on the guidance document, which we hope to see shortly. And uh, and moving forward, because I think the you know, was, you know last Sunday, Bill Miller was I spoke to Bill this week about his experience with sixty minutes, um, you know, and we're, um, you know, there's there's it just it what it does is reinforce that we got education to do, we got information to share, we got to educate um, public and customers and decision makers and such about how this industry's commitment to ensuring you know responsible play, player health, and making sure that we're we're uh, utilizing the best research and technology out there to ensure that we're um, putting the industry forward in the proper light and protecting players. Uh, anything else, Phil, that's, that struck you from, from the week, your week in London? Uh, just, I mean, it, it's, it's been coming for a couple of years, Steve. Uh, it, uh, uh, the, the change from... Um, from in-house uh, management and uh, um, risk management, and also product management, I mean, across the board, to an overall uh, global you know, game solutions. You know, uh, on the sportsbook side of the floor, it, everyone has a sportsbook solution for you, which is a, it's a white label. Uh, it's global, you know, it can come from anywhere, and uh, you could, you know, implement it on, on any uh, site that's gonna operate in Canada or Ontario or North America. Um, so you, I don't know that you can call it a uh, homegrown anymore. Um, that's, but I mean, I mean, that's nothing new. It's just the expansiveness of it now. Just the, the amount of companies is just absolutely unbelievable. And the casino side, I found just the number of games, you know, the new games, the flashy stuff and, and, the, and the amount of hardware that they brought in just, there's, there's not a, a square inch that, that wasn't covered. On that and, and payment solutions as well, just a huge, massive, you know, a couple dozen companies there uh, on that side. Uh, so it's just, you, 
it's kind of, you know, somebody who's been in the industry 20 years from the beginning, it's just kind of fascinating to see the where it's gone into um, this. Uh, uh, everybody's a provider. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Hey, Paul, last question for you. I want to, I want to let you go because you're it's, it's evening in uh, London. You, I'm sure you have uh, dinner plans before heading home. And that's just, you know, uh, in your role with the Canadian Gaming Association, like what, you know, what things were you trying to accomplish this week? Is there is there a bit of do you do a bit of a recruiting for new members at, at a conference like ICE or, or, you know, what what's kind of your focus beyond what we've talked about over the last 10 or 15 minutes? Well, it, obviously, it is. It, it's a bit of telling the industry story um, on what's happened here, and still, you know, whether it's promoting market. Um, obviously, always on the hunt for members, and, and we'll come out of this week with a couple more uh, in, the, in the coming weeks, which is always nice. But uh, and it is a, a chance to see um, a lot of our members and um, for teams and people that aren't in Canada, in North America. So I spent a lot of time meeting with some of the European operators and teams that were here, um, talking about the, our priorities and things we're doing for this year and listening to them and, and, and their concerns and questions. So it's a bit of an education and an update session to try and connect with people because I had you know, three full days of back-to-backs and running around in Excel to uh, make sure I could see as many as we possibly could. and and uh, and learning and that's why when it is a great networking event and people reach out and that's why i said I'm with a few companies that are um in the early stages of, of uh, getting ready for uh, entrance into the ontario marketplace so it's um I, I that's why this is a valuable show from from all of those reasons for um spreading the messages of what the cga is and what we're doing and how great canada is as a place to do business Hey, sorry, Paul. One, I, I lied. One, one more, one more quick question. Uh, does the CJ? Are you planning some type of second anniversary event like you did uh, a year ago for for Ontario? Come come early April. Uh, we didn't. We're not going to look at the second anniversary this year oh. as an event, but we will be talking about some other things we've got work and priorities on. Um, as obviously, for us, and you know, the Canadian government will hopefully begin the parliamentary review on overhauling our maybe money laundering laws in Canada because our sector particularly is vastly outdated in the current set of um, current legislation and regulations and needs to be modernized. Um, So we'll we'll be talking a lot about that this year and then obviously we have we'll be coming back shortly to report back on from our um, our symposium to kick off our response uh, action plan on responsible play. We got to report back on our uh, guiding principles and what we heard from uh, the participants that day and moving that forward. So we'll be, we got a few priorities, but we, uh, um, we won't be hosting an event around the second anniversary. We may wait a few more years and give it a, a little more deeper dive at maybe five. Um, but uh, it's a good, uh, we've got a busy year ahead. Yep, you do for sure. Uh, that's Paul Burns, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. Uh, Paul, always grateful for your uh, time, especially when you're, uh, as we say in the newsletter, newsletter across the pond. So uh, thanks, as always, for joining us. Uh, safe trip home, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Steve. A word from our sponsor. 
Hey there, sports fans. Are you looking for fresh and fun takes on the hottest topics in Canadian sports? Well, we've got just what you need. Introducing Homestand Sports Today, your go-to daily sports newsletter, bringing you the Canadian angle on the hottest NHL, NBA, footy stories, and more right to your inbox. But wait, there's more. Homestand Sports isn't just another text-heavy newsletter. Every story has its own video featuring our talented hosts like me, Albert Vartanian, giving you a newsletter experience like never before. And did I mention it's a free subscription? Subscribe now at homestand.ca. Now back to the show. I want to get Mark Sylvan here in a couple minutes because it's also been a busy week in, uh, in the sports media business, and that, that does have an impact. That's of interest, I think, to our listeners. But I do want to get Phil because he may have to bail as well and Chris Abbott on this. And guys, we dedicated some time at the end of the show last week to talk about the Super Bowl and Phil, I just wonder, looking at what's been going on this week, if, if there's anything that uh, has, has caught your fancy about about the action and the activity leading up to Sunday's game. Well, mirroring, mirroring last last year as well, I, uh, you know, just public and sharp money, uh, supposedly sharp money, <laughs> coming in on on uh, KC. You know, they opened, uh, you know, as the dog. Um, last year, I would have had them as a fave. <clears throat> at two and a half, but um, uh, this year certainly I would have that game at a straight pick. So uh, a lot of people hitting Kansas City on the money line right now, plus one ten, plus one fifteen. You know they open as high as plus one twenty five at some shops. So a lot of books are going to sit- be sitting on a huge Kansas City liability. But I, I still think that um, given the game is in Vegas and there's a lot of brick and mortar shops out there, um, that that Vegas line is going to hold. They're they're anticipating some late. Uh, San Francisco money, so they're they're hesitant to move to move that line at all right now. I have the game as a straight pick. Um, as far as you know, all the props around it, we we can go around that. I mean, a lot of it's just silly. I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's been around for a lot of years. It's nothing new. Uh, Chris, who do who do you got? I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take San I'm gonna take San Francisco uh, straight up. Chris, you you taking Kansas City? Yeah, I did. I actually uh, finally gave in today. I, I was waiting to see if a two and a half. I was waiting to see if a two and a half would come back, uh, based yeah, the, a lot of, on what you've been saying. Go ahead. There's only there's only been a, a one point game in, in in once in the history of the NFL. So it's the money line, Chris. Come on. I, I, well, I mean, let, let, let me finish. I, so I did. I did take the money line. Uh, very, I got a plus plus one nineteen, and from our friends at Pinnacle, who the oh, you know uh, nice. because oh. because there's no no other operators here anymore. Uh, they they had the best they had the best price. So um, and then uh, the reason I was talking about the two and a half is because I also like uh, the KC under teaser, which yes. I uh, which yes. I played as well, which I played oh, as well. So Chris, Chris um, you're playing teasers. Well, that, that you're you're what we call a regular better now. That that's very. very good. <laughs> Uh, right. I mean, well, so we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this next week. I, I've got San Francisco, and Chris has uh, Chris has uh, Kansas City straight up. There, there you I go. Just, That's our Super Bowl preview. Hey, I Chris. just don't. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I got I got a, a couple of questions for you, just more on on industry stuff around the Super Bowl. I mean, there are a couple of stories that we've linked to in the newsletter. Um, one is uh, is that. Uh, uh, the Massachusetts Gaming Commission ruled this week that they're they're not allowing novelty bets to be placed by by operators, legal operators in the state on on the game. And then the other story was there's a company called Dunbar that put out a report that that people sometimes don't claim their winnings from from betting on the Super Bowl, which I found a bit head scratching. But maybe maybe you can shed some light. I guess for, first question is. 
um, is there a reasonable explanation for for novelty bets not being made available by by a gaming commission? And 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 then the second one, just on have, have you heard stories or seen examples where where people forgot forget to cash in on winning bets? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a number of uh, Chris can chime in on this as well. There's a number of um, regulated um, uh, or states uh, in the U.S. that uh, no, you can't. A lot of the novelty bets are are not uh, allowed. And Vegas for the longest time as well. Uh, I'm not. I, I think they actually no. I, you can't bet on Gatorade in Vegas this year. I don't. I, I, they've changed some, like the presidential presidential election and stuff like that. You couldn't bet on Vegas in the longest time. Uh, but a lot of the states have adopted that as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's the answer to that question. Yeah, Steve, I would say, you know, there's a, there's a very good reason not to allow them, especially, um, where, uh, situations where people would have, uh, inside information. So somebody knows what color the Gatorade is going to be. Um, somebody knows how long the anthem is going to be, um, coin toss. Okay. You can, you can convince me on that. Cause that's a legitimate, um, I'll use the word competition, but it's an unknown situation. You flip a coin, and right. now taking minus one twenty-five on each side of that—that's uh, robbery because it's literally a coin flip. But hey, that—that's okay. That's a different story. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, there's plenty of reason, especially in a regulated environment, not to do it. Um, I'll, I'll put it. To, I'll put this to you. I was in Florida last week, and I went to the Royal Rumble, and um, I placed a bet on an unregulated site um, about who would win. Who would win the Royal Rumble? <laughs> right somebody knew that uh, right. i knew and and th- and that's just that's just how it goes that was one of the, going through the compliance process with ontario um wwe at at, at, at that time was uh, was not allowed because those those are predetermined events they're pre-taped events and again and chris to chris's point to offering you know a lot of these novelty bets that's that's the situation we get into with you know disputes on you know did somebody know uh, or you know, and uh, is it verifiable? And you you get into a, a lot of uh, you know client disputes, and and there's sometimes there's a lot of money involved. So, uh, but books put out these novelty bets as you know as as an acquisition feature. You know, we we've got a Taylor Swift prop, we've got this, we've got that. Come bet with us. So it's it's kind of it's a you know two-edged sword with uh, what we do within the industry as far as you know some of this um some of this stuff goes that comes away from verifiable game statistics and it's not just um it's not just you know regulator versus uh operator situation there's there's intra operator uh questions because somebody in phil's position would have somebody in my position come to them and say hey phil i want to offer this uh to our customers this week and phil goes man that exposes us to a ton of risk so yeah, we can do it, but we're going to cap it at a $5 bet. So then, you know, that that's when it gets a little bit silly. And and that that has proliferated, though, and, and that's what we're looking at now. Yeah, and that's, the word, that's the word that Chris said. I mean, it, get, it gets silly because, I mean, it becomes, you, you have a number of departments that are operating in a sports book on a very, very busy day. And, um, you know, you you offer some of these bets and you, you, you can sometimes get, you know, to, towards your customer service department, three or 400 inquiries within, you know, five or 10 minutes of, you know why was this bad boy? Why you know? And so it, it it's a you know I, I I understand the marketing position of of, of sportsbooks when we want to do and acquire new customers because the Super Bowl is absolutely the number one acquisition uh, period of the year as it is at the beginning of the NFL season. But at some point, it just kind of gets um, as Chris said, you know, for lack of a better word, silly. Right. 
Hey guys, one more question on, on the game Sunday. And that's just a little bit of what you just touched on Phil. And that's just the activity around your place. I mean, you, both you and Chris have worn different hats working for operators, but you know, that, that workflow and, and the dealing with the different departments and Chris, I'll start with you on this and just what, what Super Bowl Sunday is like. And I, I, I have to imagine that it's far and away the, the busiest day of the year for, for someone if as you as a former country manager or, or for Phil and, and his former job as a sports trader. Well, it's funny, Steve, when you mentioned the term country manager, because uh, that implies that the business is not run out of this country, which for the companies <laughs> I've worked for, it's not been. It's been European operators. So there's an education piece that comes along with it. Oh, the Canadian guy, the American guy wants to offer this. Well, um, you know, you have a very limited number of people who care about the NFL, where you're coming from. It's not the Soccer World Cup. It's not the Euros. It's not the Olympics. It's it's all these things that are not as important at the head office. So you're, you're fighting some battles there in terms of education and you need to get marketing materials made. And as Phil alluded to, the customer service agents especially are, are oftentimes not up on the sports uh, that are being offered. So um, it starts months in advance. You plan a calendar in terms of communications and what you're going to email to players or send a push notifications. You have to update your customer service folks. You have to get the marketing teams on board. You have to especially get the traders on board. They're usually the easiest ones because most of those guys do know the NFL. But um, yeah, it's, it's a months long process to, to get to a day. And then of course, any external media and marketing and advertising that you're doing. So it, it really is more than just the week or two lead up. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, it, every, it's every department, as Chris was saying, uh, you know, security and payments and people, you know, you know, people want to sign up on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, you, you get hundreds, sometimes thousands, depending on the size of your book, people that want to come in and create a new account. And that's, that's you know, that's a challenge for um, the technology on that side. You know, as far as the trading side, probably we were probably one of the last, you know, uh, I, I sat there and, and traded the Super Bowl, you know, with, with my own knuckles. Whereas, you know, every other book now, it's, uh, as I was saying, Steve, at, uh, at ICE right now, it's, you know, sports book content providers and odds feed providers. There's very little in-house trading anymore. So it changes in that way for a trader. If you're a caretaker in some of the North American books now, you just got to kind of, you know, sit there and, and manage the feed as, as not as much as, you know, what, what an actual bookmaker would do. But, uh, you know, that that's just the way the industry has gone because, you know, just the sheer size of it. Hey, thanks. Great guys. That's, that's terrific insight. Uh, Chris, I and Phil Gray. Really, really appreciate it as, as always guys. And I, I know you'll both enjoy the game Sunday and, and obviously in different, uh, in different places than, than you both were a year ago, but I'm, I have no doubts that the two of you will uh, nonetheless have uh, a lot of fun and maybe, maybe even more so this year, not having, uh, not having the stresses of, of, of helping run a business. I want to spend the uh, the last minutes of the show and and uh, been a really busy 24, 36 hours in in the uh, the media world on, on in both Canada and the U.S. and I want to get Mark Silver, the CEO of Parley Media Group, in here. And um, for any of us that are involved in in journalism who care about media in this country, uh, obviously an incredibly tough morning with with Bell announcing that they were selling 45 of its 103 regional radio stations, letting go 4,800 people, making uh, significant cuts to uh, to newscasts uh, across the country. And Mark, I think you and I probably know people whose jobs have been impacted by this today, but it, 
it really, uh, for me, it's, uh, again, just another uh, the dark day in, in journalism. And, and this uh, this isn't a good thing for for Canadians in terms of getting news and, and holding people accountable. And, and uh, you know, it's yet yet another really troubling sign for this industry. Steve, I mean, it's, a, it's definitely, definitely a dark day. Um, I was speaking with people who are working at uh, other media companies in this country, very large ones, who were not affected by the announcements today. And uh, that rattled the foundation of uh, several buildings across this country. Every week we have a topic or two that makes us uh, scratch our heads and wonder how things are playing out. But th- the truth is, who's going to pay for these losses? Like, is it the shareholders? Is it the institutional investors? Is it the customer? Um, we know the customer doesn't want to pay for those losses anymore, especially in radio. It's an evolution. Uh, we've seen it in, in other media forms before. Yeah. Uh, you, you know all too well about the newspaper industry, Steve. And um, the layoffs we see today, uh, coupled with the, the announcement um, out of the United States, the alignment of Fox and ESPN, is a way for us to have a bigger conversation about it. Yeah, we're getting into that uh, very shortly, Mark. Yeah, and I'll just mention, too, your comment about talking to people at other companies. I think the one one thing that if you don't work in the media industry that you need to understand is that no nobody celebrates like people at rogers employees at rogers media sports and media aren't celebrating when when job cuts are announced at a rival company i mean it's uh it's it's just not a good thing for the media industry at large mark and i both said it's a it's a dark day for the industry but mark yeah that is a great segue to to the announcement with espn fox and warner brothers getting together and providing what they're they're calling a new viewing option for sports fans and mark i'll maybe just because you're so entranced and you you follow this stuff so intently i'll maybe let you set the table on on that story and and provide some details around that what i want to do for the audience is really uh, segment out kind of what i see as the three areas at least in the united states of the players in this sports media broadcasting landscape so first are the what I would call pure play sports broadcasters, which are the three that we're talking about here who have formed this alliance. Uh, Then there are, and there's not many of them, but there's the likes of Comcast and their Peacock service, which is very much tied to a telecommunication strategy, which the Canadians in the audience and in the room are all too familiar with, with Rogers and Bell. And then the other player, of course, or the players are the big tech companies who have enormous audiences, not just in North America or the United States, but around the world. And by those, of course, I mean Apple, Google, and Amazon. And I I think when you look at this deal and the companies that made this deal, and I get it, Disney is a little different because they have a few divisions. They have the theme parks, obviously. But when you look at this deal, you really have to think about diversification of revenue. And for a pure play broadcaster, which all these three are generally are, what other lines of business do they have to create new relationships with customers and provide value-added services, in this case, video and sports content, to be able to, to deepen the customer's relationship with not just your service, but like with your, many cases, your physical hardware? Because this is not about share of wallet. This is about share of time. And Apple and Google and Amazon, and I know Meta's not in this conversation, but they could be right there. These are all companies that are competing for a finite amount of our time. And that is a very tough obstacle for the likes of a traditional media company to compete with. You and I both have kids. Yours yours are uh, about 10 years younger than than mine, but 
uh, we both have sons who are avid, uh, avid sports fans. And, um, you know, I, and I'm coaching, I'm coaching a group of teenage hockey players this year. And when I ask, uh, ask guys that they watch the Leafs game on Saturday night, uh, everybody says no. The stories I get as kids, they like watching uh, hockey videos on, on Instagram or, or TikTok and uh, they're not sitting in front of a TV for, for three hours. And, um, you know, I have a son who doesn't have a cable network package in Toronto. He, uh, he streams if he wants, wants to watch a, a game or a golf tournament, he, he streams it. And, and so that, again, the, the people like me who, uh, you know, still have our pay our cable bill every month. I mean, people like us are increasingly the exception and, and, I think they're not only for the uh, the networks themselves or the, or the rights holders, but the leagues. There, there's a distribution piece here as well, right? Yeah, this is challenging, and we're not even talking about. We mentioned this on previous episodes of the show. We're not even talking about the production cost, right? Um, now we know full well Fox and ESPN they're paying for the production cost, but when some of these deals gravitate toward the streamers, it's like who's paying? The league paying? We look at the Apple deal with uh, Major League Baseball and MLS as examples or MLS had to set up their own production company. When I look at the sample size of three, I have three children, actually two of them are still at home, one's off in university. Um, and listen, I can't speak to how they're raised to be sports fans. I know we took them to lots of games, but you know, I have my, my daughters who will sit and watch a game. Now they stream it through our Apple TV connection, but they're watching it through a cable subscription there. They will watch the games. I look at my 13 year old son. He could care less about the game, even the outcome of the game. He's more consuming, and I would say TikTok is the platform that he's consuming on, as well as as well as Snapchat. There's a lot of activity there. He's consuming the personalities around the game. And right. while I'd love to say it's Ron McLean on TikTok, it's not. <laughs> he he's concerned. You know, I'm sure your players, Steve, on your team are kind of are following the same folks. I mean, my son plays hockey, he loves it, he's a goalie. He's following this crazy coach who goes on the ice and motivates the kids who does trick shots. There's like a hockey fights channel. I mean, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list. And what I'm going to point to, and, and I, I've already professed my love for Bar Down many times, so I'll profess it again. I think what TSN has done with Bar Down and Dave Crickst is absolutely unbelievable. But even, even they face stiff competitions from one person, an individual, that is able to build a following with a demographic which is just just looking for those moments of fun and pure enjoyment to bring them closer to the game. And I guess the commonality with, with all of this is this content doesn't even include protected marks, you know, uh, protected video that's subject to rights. It's just pure content about the sport. So I don't think there, this is an impact on a love of sport and participating and consuming it. I think this really comes back to, and this is everybody's fault who's in this forum, mine included, just the business of sports has made accessing the content very difficult because you don't know where it is. And in many cases, and we're going to see this play in the U.S. first, potentially unaffordable for people who don't even have cable and are willing to consume bite-sized pieces of content or thinking about the betting industry, are willing to consume it within their favorite sports book. Anyway. Watching it there and watching the game play out there. Yeah, I want to get uh, Mike Dane here, but just quickly, Mark, you talk about that price. Like Andrew Marchand, the, the former New York Post sports media writer who's now, now at The Athletic Road. And, uh, you know, he talked about the price for this new venture likely being around 40 to $50 a month. And um, Marchand mentions that you could uh, you, you could watch um, those, those uh, 
networks provide content on places like YouTube TV for about seventy dollars uh, per month right now. Like to your to your point, there there are some there are some price implications here, right? Yeah, it's a distribution strategy as well. So we don't know what the price is going to be. No, we we have they have disclosed that this this is not an exclusive distribution point of this content. This is another distribution point yes. of this content. Just like we talked about, I think it was just last week, Steve, we talked about how Sportsnet Plus is available through the Amazon Prime channels in Canada. And actually just this week, we saw that, not sports, but we saw that Bell Media issued a press release saying that Crave is available on Amazon Prime channels, I believe is what it's called. And and what does that mean? Like, why are we? Why am I mentioning it? Why is it relevant? Well, it's relevant because what Bell is doing, what what Rogers in Canada anyway did first, is they're saying, "Wait a second, I'm not going to sell a set top box, and that's not a viable business for me uh, to be able to in, going forward in perpetuity." There are millions of Canadians who have access to that that Amazon app. And so why am I trying to get another app on someone's phone or another app on someone's, you know, connected TV device if they're not using a fire stick already? I'm just going to fish where, where where the fishes are. And and that's to the exclusion of the branded apps that a Sportsnet for example or a Crave would come out with to have the consumer uh, go directly there. So sure there's a revenue trail that goes with it. Uh, by having the subscription available through Amazon Prime channels, but that's no different than having your channel distributed through Kojiko if you're, you know, if you're Sportsnet. So this really comes back to Rogers and now Bell in this country saying, "Wait a second, we are willing to give up the data, to potentially give up an aspect of the customer, give up the ability to, to mine that data, match it with um, transactions of the consumer to be able to better target ads. All of that gets given up." when you enter those ecosystems. And this is something Google and YouTube have done phenomenally well with for years. So you begin to ask yourself, I'm asking myself right now as I'm saying it, what is going on? What is the strategy of these media companies? And I think what we've seen today, this week play out, is they have no idea. They have, you take the Bell example today, you take the uh, with the layoffs, take the Crave example of going on Amazon Prime Channels, you take this very strange additive distribution point of putting all these games together for some unknown astronomical price point. Every company I just mentioned is doing whatever they think they need to do to survive, to stop the bleeding. And that's the reality of our business. Hey, let's get uh, Mike Dan here. Mike, uh, longtime guy at, uh, at TSN on both the television and, and digital side. And, and, and Mike, I know you, you have opinions on this. Uh, I do, Steve. Thanks. And uh, I, I certainly echo everything Mark said and, and couldn't have said it better myself. But I, I'm going to I'm going to dumb down some of that just as a consumer. And if I was an American and access to all this and I'm going to be Missouri here, I will wait to see exactly what is offered in this package. Will absolutely everything from those three services be available to me? and what the price point will, will be before making a decision. And I chuckled a bit that uh, a step towards having everything and not having to have multiple streaming packages. Well, I think we're still going to need Amazon and other services as well, so that it may not be one-stop shopping, but it's certainly a step towards one-stop shopping. So as I said, Missouri, show me, um, but it's very interesting what will happen. 
And Steve, I just want to take a, a moment, just a couple of things we that uh, have been talked about today, uh, starting with uh, with Bell Media. And as a person who was in that position just over nine years ago, myself, my heart goes out to everybody and uh, and my support. And in fact, I'm actually having a conversation with an affected individual right after this call um, to lend my support. Anything I can do. Um, and just to let everybody know there is life after. It sucks. I'm not going to say anything differently. It sucks. But um, there's lots out there. And and here we are chatting on this forum. Um, you and, and Mark and myself as three of the six founders of um, Gaming News Canada, Parlay Media Group, Homestand Sports. There is there is definitely life after after Bell Media. And uh, lastly, on more of an up note, uh, just chuckling about all the NFL discussion, and specifically Taylor Swift. Well, I have a 26-year-old daughter, and she uh, always says to me, you know, Dad, uh, Taylor Swift saved the NFL. And uh, we, <laughs> we, we chuckle a bit about that, but take it, take it in the right spirit. And her and her friends will be watching the Super Bowl and not just for the halftime show, which traditionally they probably would and have in the past, but specifically because of Taylor Swift. So um, take that for what it's, uh, what it's worth. But uh, that's my quick thoughts on, uh, on three major topics from today, Steve. Thanks. Yeah, great stuff, Mike. Thanks. Hey, uh, Chris, Ab, we're going to give the last word to you. I know you're, uh, you're, a, you're a sports fan. You, you, uh, you're a, a sports betting business guy who, who deals with networks. And um, I know you have a few thoughts on this, this as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I certainly don't have the experience in, in the industry that, that Mark and Mike and, and even yourself, Steve, would have from the from the business side of it. All, my take on it is as a consumer and as a marketer. So the, the enormous, I'll start with the marketing piece, the enormous amounts that, that operators were trying to pay to get on TV, I don't think was... I don't want to say warranted because studies will still say that TV is still your best uh, your best coverage when you advertise. But I, I was always of the mind that that digital was smarter spend, and and maybe some of that is is going to work itself out as we go forward, and maybe the attitudes are shifting on that. And and as for you know places closing down and laying people off, it's absolutely terrible, right? And no one's going to argue that. But obviously, these businesses have to go where the people are, where the money is. Um, what the consumer demands are. So, you know, I, I think I think it's it, it's well it's well proven now that people are are tapping into streaming services. And yeah, Sportsnet Plus is a broadcaster on a streaming service. You know, TSN, whatever they're calling theirs now, I, I've lost track. It is a plus as well. Um, and that's not a dig. I really don't know. Um, that's you know, the, it, it's going where the people are, and and it's still broadcast quality, and and it's in a stream. And and if it's subscription based, then, then that's what it is. It's proven to work for Netflix, who just spent you know, whatever number of billion dollars on WWE. So seems to be where we're headed. Um, there'll probably be a consolidation like we see in the gambling and, and cannabis and whatever other industries as well. Um, but it will be interesting in Canada because of the, the regulation piece and the CRTC and, and you know, that the drive has always been to keep these outlets alive. Um, but I wonder if, if that is going to make as much sense as, as the mandates have in the past. So there might need to be an updating of, of how we view all of that in our country and that's beyond my knowledge but it's just some of the thoughts that i have a great show this week because of chris abbott mark silver mike day paul burns phil gray and uh, at the top of the hour Atlanta della vadova uh thanks so much for everybody for joining us i'm sure 
everybody will be consuming the Super Bowl in some form on, on Sunday. So enjoy the game. And as Phil and Chris both said, if you are wagering on the game, please do so responsibly. Uh, as always, these LinkedIn audio events do get produced into a podcast that, that comes out on Monday morning on GamingNewsCanada.ca and the various uh, podcast streaming platforms. Please, everybody, uh, if you're out there traveling, be safe this weekend. Uh, like you said, enjoy the game Sunday. And we will see you back here again next Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.